Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here today and uh, welcome you to Community Baptist Church and to the house of the Lord. And we're glad to share this time together as we worship God with one another. Let me uh, welcome our guests, especially. You're uh, very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, take those and to fill them out. Uh, give, give us your name and address and phone number. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter each week, please uh, put your email address on there and we'll uh, put you on the list to receive that. It's a great way to keep up with the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, a few activities that are coming up in the near future. Uh, our youth will be having a lock-in on January the 20th, so youth, get ready for that. Uh, Allie, get ready for that. <laughs> uh, she's ready. She says she's ready. Uh, but that's always a lot of fun. And so, uh, so youth, uh, make, put that on your calendar and invite some friends to come to that. We're also continuing to, uh, to uh, take eyeglasses, to receive eyeglasses, uh, used eyeglasses that you're not using anymore that we will pass along to those uh, who, who need these eyeglasses and cannot afford to have them. And also one other announcement I'd like to bring to your attention, and that is a visioning treat, retreat on uh, March the 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, it's called Dawnings, and this is a, a lot of, uh, I think there are about 10 or 15 churches from around the state that will be jo- joining together at Georgetown uh, to participate in this, uh, this retreat. I, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great time. And uh, we, have, we will be able to take 10 people for free, 10 people for free. That's a Thursday, Friday. I think it starts about lunchtime on Thursday and finishes up on, um, on Saturday at lunchtime. And so if you would like to uh, participate in that, please see me. Let me know, and I'll put your name on the list, and, uh, and we'll have a, a great time. I think it will be good for, for each of us as individuals that participate in that as well as good for us as a congregation as well. It's great to have you here today. It's great to share a time of worship with the people of God. And so let me invite you now to stand and let us greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Our scripture reading this morning is about the baptism of Jesus. It's found in Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way 
to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Anybody want to share some thoughts? It's kind of a... Dr. Kent Baptist. Dr. Kent Baptist. Come here, Cindy. It's kind of hard for you guys at this age, but what is it, Cindy? Cindy's got it down. Here. What is it? When you get rid of all your sins. All right. Excellent. We're going to try to do that right now. You all stand up and come look up here where Dr. Tim baptizes. You see this pool of water back here? Have you all been here when he baptized someone? Okay. I know. I remember. Grace is having a little problem there. Okay. Everybody have a seat. And Dr. Tim's going to talk about baptism today. Well, um, we need to get rid of our sins when we get baptized, right? In baptism, there's a lot of different meanings, but Gracie, it's good to see you. Can you read what baptism means? I don't mean to put you on the spot. If you don't want to, that's okay. She wants to? Okay. Um, You know what? Every single person, every single person, one time in their life, or maybe a couple times in their life, they will profess their faith. They will... Tell God that they are ready to be cleansed of their sin and live a life for God. Does that make sense? Okay, and you know what? There is no, nobody can tell you when you're ready. Nobody can tell you what month, what day. Just in my opinion, and Dr. Tim, you can correct me, God will tell you when you're ready to be baptized. Okay, and that's what he's going to talk about today. And it says it's an outward symbol. That means you do it in front of people. It's because you want to have an inward change inside. Does that make sense? So you have to be, you don't have to be, but you, usually you're baptized in front of people to let people know that you're ready to get rid of all your sin. Okay, we're going to try this. It says, save us on the inside by cleansing us from our sin. So let's pretend this is sin. Okay? Everybody gather, you guys can gather around me. Everybody come on up. We're going to say this is sin. Wyatt, you'll need to stand up here, and I'll try to stand up too. When you have sin in your life, it's very sticky. That means, hold on, I'll pass them out. That means it's very sticky. It will stick with you, okay? And it will will kind of mess up your life if you don't get rid of the sin. 
So if I put sin on my hand, unless I get baptized, that sin's going to stick with me. Believe that? It will. All right. Everybody take a piece of sin. Everybody say a prayer. This is going to work. You don't want no sin. Then he didn't want any sin. It could be, um, you know, all different kinds of sins. Perhaps you tell your mom and dad you hate them, or perhaps you're just not living the way you should. We're going to try to get rid of sin. All right. Here, come here, Gray. Let's get you some sin. Gray doesn't want to. Okay, we got to hurry because Dr. Tim wants to go to lunch here. Okay. You can't, you can't be baptized unless you're cleansed underwater. Okay? All right, so put your sin in there. Drop your sin in there. And when you profess your faith to God and you get rid of all your sins, Dr. Tim will dunk you under the water. Hey, don't lick your sin. All right. Whoopsie. Our sin's running over. Okay, so when you take the step to get baptized, and I know there's a certain little girl that's ready to get baptized here. She's talked about it with Dr. Tim before. But then you sh- Dr. Tim will put you under the water and he'll shake out your skin. And I'm not... Dr. Tim will not shake you like this. I promise. Okay. But as you're baptized, your sin begins to crumble away and you won't have sin in your life anymore. When you guys are raised up from that water... I don't know what happens. I can't explain it. But when I was raised up from that water, I felt like a whole new person. Kelsey's been baptized. John's been baptized. Jake's been baptized. And they all got baptized at different ages. All right. Do you see your sin in there anymore? You know what? When you decide to get baptized, your sin is gone. You might have little bitty pieces, but your big piece of sin is gone. Okay? And that concludes children's moment for today. We're going to children's church. All right, everybody back to children's church. We will talk about...
Let us pray. Lord, you've already blessed us this day with these children, Lord, and we thank you for them. Lord, their innocence is, is just a delightful way for us to see you. Lord, we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings and, and again, always bless this church. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you, choir, and uh, thank you, Mary, for making our children so comfortable about baptism. <laughs> Didn't know baptism was a shake-and-bake thing, but uh, whatever works. <laughs> uh, have you ever been around uh, someone who is, well, not particularly concerned with personal hygiene? You know, maybe like in a closed elevator or something like that. You know what I'm talking about here. If so, then you can probably be grateful that you didn't live 100 or 200 years ago. One of the changes that has taken place over the centuries that we can be grateful for is the concern for personal hygiene. For example, do you know why the month of June is considered the month for weddings? Anybody have any idea? You do That's right. That's right. It's because, because historians tell us back, that back in the 1500s, most people got married in June because they took their annual bath in May. But they still smelled pretty good by June. But, but still, after about a month since they took their bath, they were beginning to get a little bit ripe. And so brides would carry a bouquet of flowers to their weddings to hide their body odor. Now, that's where the custom of the carrying the bouquet came uh, uh, for, for a wedding. How many of you were married in June? Uh, <laughs> did you have your bath? We're, we're also told that those annual baths consisted of one large tub filled with hot water, and the man of the house had the privilege of going first with nice, clean water, and then all of the sons and the other men, and then the women could go, and finally the children, and last of all, the babies. But as you can imagine, after all of this, by this time, the water was so dirty that you could actually lose somebody in it. And thus we have the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Even among royalty, there was an aversion to bathing. It is said that King Louis XIV only took three baths in his entire life. However, he did have the linen changed on each of his 73 beds three times a day. So he may not have been very clean himself, but at least he slept on clean sheets. Thankfully, our personal habits have improved over the years. But there are, are some scientists who contend that our obsession with cleanliness as well as our increased use of antibiotics, is actually responsible for a dramatic increase in the allergies that we have, ranging from asthma to hay fever. And some advocates even believe that this obsession can account for certain autoimmune diseases, such as rheumatoid arthritis or type 1 diabetes. According to the Science News website, this argument states that by stamping out innocuous organisms, we have weakened some parts of children's immune systems, and thus they are more vulnerable to allergies and diseases. So maybe, maybe children need to be exposed to a few germs in order to protect them from disease later on. In fact, some scientists are now developing vaccine, vaccines to expose children to harmless bacteria in order to strengthen their immune systems. But this is not how most of us were brought up, is it? Most of us were taught that cleanliness 
is next to godliness. Now, we are thinking about cleanliness today because of our scripture passage from Matthew. Our passage tells us that Jesus made a journey from Galilee down to the Jordan River for the purpose of being baptized by John the Baptist. We don't know exactly where on the river uh, Jesus was baptized, but it would have probably been somewhere around 60 or 70 miles from his hometown of Nazareth. And that would have required a difficult journey of several days on foot, which makes us wonder, why? Why did Jesus go to the trouble of doing this? Here, Jesus, here was Jesus going to all of this trouble to present himself to an itinerant preacher out in the wilderness for the rite of baptism. It seemed like a needless expenditure of time and effort. I mean, think about it. The Son of God being baptized by a mere mortal. Here was the only man on earth without sin undergoing a rite which symbolized having your sins washed away. And our passage tells us that John preached a a baptism of repentance, which means a, a change of direction in your life. And yet here comes a man to be baptized whose path in life had been mapped out since the beginning of creation. So John tried to talk Jesus out of it. He said, I need to be baptized by you, and and you're coming to me? John knew that there was something special about Jesus. Now remember that John and Jesus were cousins. In fact, Mary stayed with John's parents for a while uh, before Jesus or John were born. And I can't help but to believe that John and Jesus had contact with each other over the years. Maybe they played together as as children. Maybe they hung out together as teenagers, and surely they saw each other at the family reunions. But whatever their relationship may have been, it is evident that John knew that his cousin was special. It would only be, be later, when John was facing death, that he would ask Jesus if he were the Messiah or not. But he knew that Jesus was closer to God than he was. And so he said, I need to be baptized by you. I like the way Daniel Schroeder put it. He said, this would be like the Chicago Symphony asking you to play us a number so that we can have some soothing music to listen to. You would say, wait a minute, you should play for me. You're the professionals. You don't want me to want to hear me. Or maybe it would be like Brett Favre asking you to throw me some passes so I, so I can catch some balls from your golden arm. You would say, wait a minute, you're the two-time MVP. You should throw me some passes and show me how it's done. In the same way, John recognized Jesus as one who didn't need repentance or forgiveness in baptism. He knew that Jesus was much greater than he was. He said that he wasn't even worthy to, to tie Jesus' shoe. And now Jesus wants to be baptized by him? And John is thinking, no, this is backwards. This shouldn't be happening. But in spite of John's misgivings, Jesus says to him, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So John did it. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, we are told that he came up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened up and and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom, with him I am well pleased. Now, there are many facets of Jesus' baptism which we have discussed, but today I'd like to look at, at two aspects of baptism. First, our need to be made clean. And secondly, how baptism seals our identity as children of God. There's a story about Queen Victoria visiting a paper factory. And the owner was pleased to show her all throughout his factory and explained all of the features and the procedures for making paper. And then he he took her into a huge room packed with rags. Many of these rags had been brought in by, by beggars. And they were filthy. They were dirty. They were nasty. They were greasy. And so the queen asked, are you... Are you using these dirty rags to make paper? And the owner said, yes, my queen. Our finest paper is made out of rags. And she asked, how could these filthy rags ever be transformed into spotless, snowy paper? And the owner explained, well, we have launderers who eliminate all of the mud and, and the dirt. And we also have chemical procedures, my queen, which, with which all of the tint is removed, even from the, the rags that have been dyed a certain color. And so that's the way we do it. Well, after a couple of days, the queen found a mysterious package on her counter. And when she opened it up, she was astonished to discover some of the most beautiful, snowy white paper that she had ever seen. On each piece of that, each piece of paper, she found her name was engraved there and a watermark of her likeness. And she also found a note from the owner of the paper factory. And this is what the note said said, Your Majesty, I hope you will accept a sample of my paper with a declaration that each and every sheet was factory made out of the rags which Your Majesty saw in our storeroom. I believe that the outcome is such that even the Queen may appreciate. Your Majesty, let me also say that I have had many upright sermons expounded to me in my factory, and I have come to comprehend how the Lord Jesus can take an unfortunate outlaw and the most dreadful of the dreadful, and make them spotless. It doesn't matter how dark their sins are. He can make them white as snow. And I can also see how he can put his name upon them. And just as these rags transformed may go into a royal palace to be admired, in the same way poor sinners can be received into the palace of the great king. What a wonderful metaphor for the meaning of baptism. For you see, at our baptism, Jesus at the same time cleanses us of our sins and and also puts his name upon us. So let's begin first with our need to to be made clean before God. I think 1 Peter is helpful at this point. The writer uses the story of Noah and the ark as a metaphor concerning baptism. He said, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. My friends, one of the meanings of baptism is to symbolically be made 
clean before God, to have a clear conscience when it comes to God. And really, this, this may be the greatest need that some of us may have. We may not admit it because most of us feel pretty good about our lives, and it escapes our attention that we were created to, for something even better. But, but this is a need that every one of us has. Some of you are probably, uh, probably remember when Pat, Pat Summerall was the voice of the National Football League. With his smooth voice and understated manner, he set the standard for play-by-play announcers, uh, not only for football, but also for tennis and golf. But there are some things about Pat Summerall that you probably don't know. For example, his parents were separated before he was born, and he was raised by an aunt who at one point thought about putting him in an orphanage. He was also born with a club foot, and doctors surgically repaired it, which was a major procedure back in the 1930s. But the doctors told his family that he would probably never be able to run and play like other kids could. But in spite of his hardship, Pat became such an athlete that as a high school senior, after turning down a basketball scholarship for the University of Kentucky, he opted to play football, basketball, and baseball for the University of Arkansas. He played professional baseball before moving on to a career in the NFL playing football, where he played until he retired and then started his career as a broadcaster. There was only one flaw with Summerall's career in sports. You see, he became addicted to alcohol. He and fellow broadcasters partied hard off of the field. He said, we raised Cain. I was the first one to the bar and the last one to leave. And the result of all that was irreparable damage to his liver, which later resulted in a transplant. Pat was told that if he kept on drinking, he was going to die. And so after checking himself into the Betty Ford Clinic, his counselor urged him to seek a better life through faith. And at the age of 66, Pat Summerall was baptized. He said, it was such a magnificent feeling. After my baptism, I felt so clean. I knew what people were talking about when they talked about being born again. I had that feeling. I had a feeling of peace. I felt smarter, lighter, quicker. It was a feeling that I'd never had before. In 1 John, we are told that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And folks, for some of us, that may be the greatest need that, that we have. The problem may not be an addiction or something like that. It may be the guilt of some past sin in our lives that still haunts us. It may be some memory of some past hurt that still holds on to us and holds us back. But whatever it may be, some of us need to be reminded, as did Martin Luther in the 1500s, that I have been baptized. My friends, you have been made clean by the sacrifice of Jesus. And like those dirty rags that filled that paper factory, your sins have been made as white as snow. 
So our baptism acknowledges that we need to be cleansed before God. Secondly, our baptism tells us that we have been given a new identity. You have the mark of the king on your life. There's a beautiful story about an African-American woman named Fayette. Fayette struggled with mental illness and lupus. She lived on the streets of a large city. And one Sunday morning, she came and she sat on the steps of a church. She didn't go in. She just listened from outside. It was a hot day and the door was open and she heard singing coming from inside. But she she kept coming back to that church and sat on those church steps, arriving late and, and leaving early. And for weeks, she never came inside. But then eventually she came in. And she sat in a Sunday school class, and she even joined a new members class. And in that class, the pastor talked to her and and the others there about baptism and what it meant to be named by God. He told them that this was a holy moment, a moment when you could hear God saying, You are my beloved and precious child of God. You are beautiful to behold. Well, when Fayette heard that, she said, oh, yes, yes. And from that day onward, she would bring it up again and again and again. And she was eventually baptized. And as she came up out of the water, she drew in a new fresh breath. And she looked around her and said, I am now a beloved and precious child of God and beautiful to behold. Well, two months later, Fayette was beaten, taken to the hospital. When the pastor arrived, he could hardly recognize her because her face was so swollen and and bruised. But, But when he got to the door, she looked up at him and declared, I am a beloved and precious child of God. And then she hesitated as she looked in the mirror. And then she said, and God is still working on me. But if you come back tomorrow, I'll be so beautiful, it'll take your breath away. (laughs) Well, my friends, Fayette's bruises may have been many. But listen to this. She knew who she was. She was a child of the king. And she knew that in spite of it all, she was beautiful in the eyes of God. And that is exactly what baptism is all about. It's a symbol that our sins have been washed away. We can, they can no longer separate us from God. And it tells us that we have been made a child of the king. And we are beautiful in his eyes. And so, along with Martin Luther, let us affirm, I have been baptized. And that makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Joy is full of life. Eight years old, way too smart, and always trying to keep up with three older brothers. Given that she has only been in the U.S. for about a year, she keeps up with her brothers just fine. I remember when she came to our congregation from China. She didn't speak a word of English, and none of, her, none of us, including her family, could speak a word of Chinese. 
John went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. When I see Joy in church, she is always smiling and always on the move. How can anyone have that much energy? And her giggle matches her movements. Start, stop, giggle. Run, sit, giggle. Eat a cookie, giggle. And off she goes to follow her brothers. In China, Joy did not have a family. Now she is loved by two families, the family that adopted her and her church family. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. I wondered what would happen when Joy was baptized. I mean, what eight-year-old wants to get dunked? Would she hold her nose? Would she use a nose plug? Would she have her dad help the pastor? In the end, Joy was there with all her family, mom, dad, brothers, aunts, cousins, along with other friends from church. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The families were there to pledge their support for Joy's spiritual formation. The congregation pledged their support as well. Mom held back tears. Meanwhile, Joy's three-year-old cousin started running around the platform, and we all laughed. This was real life, real family, real tears, real baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Joy came from China to the United States to get baptized. I wonder if that is as important as going from Galilee to the Jordan. We have had people from our church get baptized in Sweden, Indiana, Ohio, Africa, and Canada. Heck, my mom was baptized in a creek in Alabama. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. The pastor was well into the baptismal ritual now. You could see her joy spilling out onto the congregation. As they traveled along the road, Philip and the eunuch came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is much water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Finally, it was time. As the pastor leaned Joy back into the water, immersing her into the pool, she proclaimed, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, they were baptized. As Joy emerged from the water, she stood like a ballerina, looking at her family and the congregation. And then as they took in this moment in silence, Joy blurted out, Hey, I'm all wet. (laughs) And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. We all laughed. The congregation was in unison in welcoming, welcoming this child. And just when we thought we were almost finished, Joy had the last word as she yelled, I love being wet. 
At this time, uh, while our musicians play a song of meditation, we want to invite anyone who would like to, to come forward and to wash your hands in these bowls as a sign of remembrance of your baptism. We will not be conducting an ordinance of baptism here, but simply pouring water over your hands as you remember your baptism. Just a visual way of recollecting what that means in your life. And then we'll conclude our time together. We invite you to come. Remember your baptism.
Join me as we read responsibly. Gracious God, thank you for baptism. We remember baptism as you commanded, and we receive it as your gift. Enable us to embrace its blessings and engage us in its tasks. Lord, you give us your name. You give us your seal of approval. You give us the grace of adoption. You commission us to serve with justice, mercy, and compassion. Help us to do it with all our heart. You ask us for faithfulness. Help us to be faithful in all we do. Merciful God, thank you that we share in your work. Thank you for the gift and the bond of baptism. Give us your grace that we may be your visible witness. We pray through Jesus Christ, who shares his baptism with ours. Amen. Now let us stand for our closing hymn, all four verses. speak as God has spoken to you. Go and forgive as God has forgiven you. Go and love as God has loved you. 
Go and become as God has directed you. Go and live as Christ has commanded you. And go with God's blessings. Live in God's will. And God will be with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.